0: You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. Welcome in to the Not Last Place Locked On Reds podcast. Okay, well, the podcast isn't in any place, but whatever. The Reds are not in last place. In fact, they're in fourth place, and they're a game ahead of... Brrr, that's a terrible drum roll. Whatever. I might add in a sound effect, might not. The Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, you just You just hate to see that. You hate to see it. Anyway, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. On today's show, I've got Matt Wilkes in from Reds Content Plus. We're going to break down the numbers on the hitting, the pitching, and even Nick Senzel. You're not going to want to miss that. A really great conversation with him. Jam-packed, so we're going to get right to it. Make sure that you're subscribed on all the major podcasting platforms. Hit us up on Twitter at all our handles. Check out LockdownReds.com real quick. Clay Snowden's got a great article up about Yasiel Puig and whether the Reds should trade him or sign him to an extension. Not going to want to miss that because that's going to be a prominent topic moving forward to the July 31st trade deadline. But without further ado, here is the interview. For today's Phone It In Friday, I have with me Matt Wilkes in from Reds Content Plus. He's also a writer over at Red Leg Nation. But are you doing just exclusively Reds Content Plus now or how's that working? Sorry, I'm
1: uh, Still doing both. Still doing both. Uh, doing kind of a lot of recaps over at Reds Content Plus and uh, doing uh, kind of weekly columns over at Red Leg Nation. So still doing both.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on to talk Reds with me. The not last place Reds. How about that?
1: How about that? And the Pirates are in last, which just, I'm, I'm, you hate to see it. You do. Yeah,
0: you hate it. Such a, just a, a team like that. Just,
1: mm. Oh, man. and play the game the right way you know they don't wear chains they don't flip their bats i mean you just that's it's the way to do it right there right
0: just absolute stoic playing of the baseball I, <laughs> obviously we are <laughs> kidding but um tell you what let's jump in right here reds content plus i've read a couple of the recaps that you've had thrown out there just amazing stuff that goes super deep into even what i thought i understood about analytics talk about how you got to the point where you decided to create the site
1: yeah so uh me and steve mancuso uh, another reds writer over at red leg nation uh for a long time uh just kind of came together and you know we're both kind of big into the analytics and we just thought you know we could kind of take this a step further and, you know, maybe create a site that focuses just on analytics and kind of tie it back to the reds. Um, And we just kind of took off from there. We, you know, we kind of came up with our, our format for the recaps to kind of really dive into each game and, you know, breaking down exit velocities and, you know, when probability added and, and things like that, and, you know, um, we also kind of want to break down manager strategy, too, because I think every game, the big thing on Twitter is people arguing back and forth about, you know, did David Bell make the right move? Did he not make the right move? So, we you know, we'd kind of try to apply the numbers uh, to, to each of his moves and kind of explain maybe what he was thinking, and then, you know, whether we'd agree or disagree. Um, so, you know, we kind of try to make it unique in that way as well, and then, you know, we like any normal uh, Reds, site we we push out some columns from time to time as well from steve and myself and a couple of other guys over at red leg nation um so yeah the the main focus is just you know trying to break down those analytics make them kind of more accessible to fans and then just kind of go deeper than um you know sometimes we've been able to over at red leg nation and kind of just take a take a step uh even further into that uh into that world that's been
0: Probably my favorite thing about David Bell's first year is just all of the decisions that he's making, whether or not they're right or wrong or what have you. It's just refreshing, I think, to see. I mean, I know I know Jim Riggleman was a big fan of the double switch as well, but all of the different things that he's done and the way that he strategizes and stuff like that, that's been one of my favorite things to read about your guys' recaps. Of the game is because, you know, most of the time in the moment we see them pulling Sonny Gray after five innings and just about the consensus on Twitter is, nope, that's wrong. That's awful. That's terrible. Mm, Terrible move. Terrible move. And like you say, well, this is the reason. Nope, nope. It's terrible. I really appreciate you guys going in depth and talking about the different strategical positions with which the managers trying to put the team in.
1: Yeah, and you and you know these these guys these managers aren't just you know flying by the seat of their pants and making these decisions randomly. You know they they know what they're doing, and so me and Steve are kind of trying to you know take that step back and put ourselves in David Bell's shoes and and you know try to show everybody maybe what he was thinking. Obviously, we're we're not David Bell. We don't know what he's thinking uh, with with certainty, uh, but we know he's kind of a more analytically inclined manager, um, and you know that's kind of the way baseball is shifting and, um, you know, starting pitchers are pitching less than ever. Um, so we're just kind of trying to break down, you know, his, his, his decisions to go to the bullpen, um, you know, whether it's in the fifth inning or the seventh inning and, and you know whether that was the right move. And you know, we, we talk a lot about the the third time through the order is, is a really, uh, big thing in baseball now as, as teams are kind of starting to, be wary of sending their starting pitchers out there the third time through the order. Um, Cause if you look around baseball um, and numbers get significantly worse for starting pitchers um, the third time they face hitters and, you know, hitters see their pitches and kind of know how they're going to be attacked and um, they can kind of make that adjustment. And, and now managers and teams are starting to counteract that by using their bullpens a lot more. Um, and we'll see how it, how it turns out. Maybe, you know, these these relievers are going to get burned out by the end of the season. Um, I don't know. It's still a relatively new thing in baseball. We've seen it a lot in the postseason. Um, it's still pretty new in the regular season. So we'll, we'll see. I think baseball is always shifting. So, you know, in a few years, um, maybe we'll have three starting pitchers in, in rotations around baseball. I don't know. But it's it's, it's interesting. And so we want to try to break that down um, for for the average fan and and try to explain, you know, what david bell is doing um you know whether we disagree or agree with it um and so yeah we're just trying to kind of bring that down to to the average fan and um and break it all down for him
0: just out of curiosity who did the light bulb turn on first
1: between steve and i yeah uh it's steve steve came to me with this idea and um i loved it and we just we just ran with it that's
0: awesome I was just, it was one of those things I was just curious about kind of how the idea was generated and stuff. Cause I really love what you guys have put out there so far. And if you guys have not checked out Red's content plus definitely hit them up. I know you have different tiers and all that stuff and you work through Patreon. How, how does all that stuff work?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you, it, it is a, it is a for for pay site. It's, it's not all free. We do have a lot of free stuff up there. Uh, it's kind of, kind of older. You'll have to scroll down and kind of look for it there um but it is there's a lot of stuff available to kind of preview kind of check out what we're doing and see if you like it um and then from there you know we have different tiers um that you can you know purchase for a monthly fee our lowest one is just five bucks um so you get access to you know our our columns and analysis Um, and we try to put out at least one or two pieces a week um and then our next one up was going to be your game recaps uh we also have another tier uh, where we you know discuss uh, games live on, on the Slack channel. so you can kind of come chat with us and maybe um, pick our brains a little bit or uh, if you want to you know get off Twitter. I don't blame you there. Uh, <laughs> but you still don't talk about the game. you know, come come chat with us, come chat with us in Slack. Uh, so yeah, we've got a diff- couple different options depending on what you're interested in. Um, and we know not everybody uh, can or or wants to pay, so we would definitely understand that. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you do support us, we would uh, really appreciate it.
0: Feel the Slack channel gets a little bit more positive than the Twitter. Ah, uh, just a tad. <laughs> just a tad. <laughs> well, that's all right, and and we do want to dive into some stuff here because I've been think. I mean, just looking at all of the different analytics and all that other stuff, definitely wanted to pick your brain on some things, especially when it comes to the wonderful question surrounding this team. And it wasn't even the question that the, they had in the offseason. And to a large part, they've kind of answered the off season question. We'll get to that in a minute when it comes to get the pitching. But now they're trying to get the hitting. And when it comes to their current ranking, it's not good. And especially with the way that June has played out so far, the offense has just been so anemic, for lack of a better word. And... What do the analytics say? What, where do we start to see some trends that are like, okay, maybe they can get it back going here pretty soon?
1: Well, the numbers have not really gotten a ton better. Um, and I know that's not what anybody wants to hear. Um, <laughs> but the, the number one thing that jumps out to me just when I'm kind of trying to break down, you know, why is this offense struggling? I mean, we, we know Joey Votto hasn't been his normal self, we know. Yeah, so Puig hasn't hasn't been either. Um, you know, some other guys have struggled. Jesse Winker, um, but you really try to dive into that. And and one of the first things I want to look at is are they at least hitting the ball hard? Um, you know, if they're hitting the ball hard, and maybe it's just not finding the gaps or uh, finding holes in the infield, and okay, maybe luck will break their way. Um, you know, at some point. But uh, the the exit velocity numbers are are pretty. Pretty bad. Um they I think as of right now, they are second to last among all teams in in average exit velocity. And that's not everything. Um, but that's a good place to start. You know, you kind of look toward the top of that leaderboard. Um, you know, some of the top offenses are up there. So you got the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Twins, uh are all in the top five, the Brewers, um, the Rays. So, you know, those are five of your best teams in baseball right there. And then down with the Reds at the bottom of the list, you got the Giants, you've got the Orioles. Uh, you've got the Nationals, teams like that, that are really struggling. So that's where I, I kind of want to start is is, is there. It's, they're just not hitting the ball hard. Um, even on an individual level, the, the guys you expect to hit the ball hard uh, aren't doing so either. You know, uh, Eugenio Suarez is kind of uh, right where he usually is. He's, he's above average. Uh, Jesse Winker is a little above average, but everyone else. Uh, even Yasiel Puig, he kind of crept up there for a little while and now he's kind of gone cold again. Um, Derek Dietrich, Dietrich is kind of right at average, but everyone else is, is, uh, you know, below average or, or well below average. And, you know, the light hitters like Jose Peraza, you know, drag the team average down. But, um, I mean, we're seeing guys like, like Joey Vado, his, his exit velocity is down by quite a bit. Uh, you know, Tucker Barnhart doesn't hit the ball particularly hard. Uh, even nixon Zell has has kind of seen his numbers drop off there a little bit so you know that's that's kind of where you want to start are, are they at least hitting the ball hard right now not so much um but the good news is they do have some guys with a history of you know hitting the ball hard um Suarez winker Puig uh vado you know have all done it for uh at least one year um and, and many years in the case of, of vado so you know, you hope that maybe they, they start seeing the ball better as the summer goes on. Um, but Right now, at least as far as that goes, we're not seeing uh, a whole lot of encouraging signs. Um, and I think that's probably the, the number one thing that jumps out to me as for why they're struggling, um, along with kind of some shaky plate discipline here and there, too.
0: Mo Egger was talking about on his show today, talking about Jesse Winker. And he's kind of been the guy that I've looked to almost as much as Puig, because I felt like with Puig's struggles, that's kind of where the team struggles, as well as Suarez, of course. But with Puig just not driving guys in there in the four and the five spot, that's where the offense has really staggered. You've got guys on base and they're being left on base but then you also look at Jesse Winker and coming into the year we knew he could do one thing he could get on base but he's not been doing that a lot this year what do the numbers say about how his plate discipline has changed this year from last
1: yeah Winker has been uh really surprising to me you know throughout throughout the minor leagues um you know the walk rate was uh, you know, anywhere between 11% and all the way up to 16%. Um, and, you know, league average is right about, you know, between eight and 9%. Um, so he's, you know, well above that mark. Uh, and then last year, you know, it translated to, to the majors. He walked about 15% of his, his at bats, um, you know, his on base percentage was over 400. He, uh, walked more than he struck out. And then that was just a great sign to see, um, kind of along with, um, the exit velocity numbers that we just talked about he he hit the i think he he was one of the top two leaders on the team in exit velocity last year so that's a really good you know combination there of uh hitting the ball hard and you know being patient uh this year it's just kind of uh kind of gone the opposite way for him he's not striking out really an alarming amount um but the walks have really almost been cut in half he's he's right about uh, eight eight and a half percent walk rate right now, which is roughly league average, um, but it's just not you know what we've seen from Winker, you know, in a short time in the big leagues or in the minor leagues, um, and you know you kind of you dive a little deeper into the numbers, he's not swinging and missing uh, an alarming amount. He is chasing the ball outside the strike zone a little bit more than we're used to seeing, um, and he's just swinging in general more than we're used to seeing. So, um, you know this is something we've seen from Winker for a long time now. I don't think he's just suddenly lost the ability to walk or, or anything like that. Um, but he has been a little bit more aggressive than usual this season. Um, and we, we haven't, haven't seen that in the past and it, you know, it's not quite, uh, working out for him so far this year, hitting a lot of ground balls as well too. Um, which is kind of making his overall numbers even worse. Um, but to, uh, Puig has been, um, for lack of a better term, he's been kind of a disaster um, from plate discipline standpoint. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, his strikeout rate is way up. Walk rate, and he wasn't, he was roughly a league average um, guy in terms of walk rate. The walk rate has just kind of cratered down to around 5%. Uh, he's striking out in a quarter of his plate appearances. Um, and, and we kind of go back to those other numbers we talked about with Winker. He's chasing the ball a ton. Uh, almost 40% of pitches outside the strikes though, when he's swinging at, um, and then, you know, you you, know, you, you got to see that in, in game situations. I think you see him chase a lot of high fastballs and a lot of, uh, sliders low and away. He just had a, has a, had a hard time laying off of those. And just in general, he is swinging almost 60% of, of the time he sees a pitch, which is a lot. Uh, I don't, I don't have the league leaderboard. Uh, right in front of me, um, but I can check the league average, and it's forty six percent. He's swinging fifty six percent of the time he sees a pitch. Um, and and we're seeing his his swing and miss rate go way up as well um compared to past years. So you know, Puig was never, you know, the poster child for plate discipline, but he was roughly you know, league average um, and, and when he was with the Dodgers. Uh, and just this year, uh, he's just been, I don't know if he's, you know, pressing. Being that it's in a contract year or, or something like that, it's it's hard to tell. Um, but that seems to be really the number one reason he has been uh, so unproductive so far is, is he's just swinging too much and, and not really making contact like we're, we've seen in years past.
0: Did I see right that Puig is batting less than a hundred against curve or against breaking pitches?
1: I don't have that number right in front of me, but that sounds that sounds about right. Um, it,
0: it feels that way man
1: yeah, yeah. he's really he's really struggling with that that low in a way slider. Um, I think you you see teams go to that again and again when he has two strikes against him. Um, and we're we're seeing him in, in what's kind of been surprising to me is we're seeing him miss just a lot of fastballs. We're kind of right down the middle of the plate. Um, And and this is purely anecdotal. Maybe again, this is kind of where you would want to have the the numbers to back you up. Um, But it just seems like, you know, missing a lot of of fastballs kind of right down the right down the can. And uh, it's not what you're used to seeing from from Puig um, when he was with the Dodgers.
0: Just for a moment I want to take a quick break from the conversation to thank our sponsors hotels.com and blue chew. hotels.com is the best way to book your next vacation. They've got great rates and you can get rewarded for your travel. And then also blue chew is the first chewable form of viagra or cialis it has the same active ingredient as those two pills but it's in a chewable form so it's delivered Faster, And it can be delivered to your door. All you have to do is go to BlueChew.com and place your order. And if it's your first order at BlueChew, then you get the promo code MLB for your free first order. All you do is pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code MLB for your first free order. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Now let's jump right back into the interview with Matt Wilkes from Red's Content Plus. Let's look at Nixon Zell real quick. Like you mentioned, analytics are a great way to back up the eye test. The eye test says that Nixon Zell is awesome. What do the numbers say?
1: Yeah, so, you know, Sinzel uh, is is really doing a good job of, of squaring up the ball. Um, and, you know, StatCast measures that um, with a stat called barrels. And it's very simple. It's just the number of, of times that uh, a guy hits the ball on the barrel of the bat. Um, you know, the, that usually equals harder contact and obviously more hits. Um, and Sinzel has really excelled in that area. He's already in the top four on the team. And obviously he got a month uh, a month late. He was, got to the team a month late, and he's already top four behind uh, Suarez, Dietrich, and Puig. He's already passed up Winker and Votto um, and, and the other, you know, regulars. So in terms of that, you know, he does a good job of squaring up the ball. And, and uh, the, the analytics are pretty favorable on his plate discipline as well. Uh, he's he's kind of right around league average right now, but he, he is not chasing the ball um, kind of like you would expect a, a rookie to do. Um, you know, they kind of get up to the big leagues They're adjusting to big league pitching, you know, they're, they're maybe being a little too aggressive or whatever it may be. Um, but Sinzel, you know, watching him in game situations looks very calm and, and composed. He doesn't, you know, expand the strike zone, trying to, trying to hit the ball. He, he, he waits on his pitch. Um, he's very, uh, Votto-esque in that way. I'm not going to call him Joey Votto quite yet. <laughs> Still got a little bit of time there. Um that's been a big thing that jumped out to me. Um, and I've got his his chase rate right here. Right here uh, is is 27, which is already below the league average. Um, he doesn't swing and miss a whole lot. Uh, so that's all been very impressive to me as well. And I think you know, as time goes on, he'll he'll only get better. The strikeout rate is a little high right now compared to what we've seen. Uh, you know, in his minor league career. So I think that's kind of going to come down over time as he sees more big league pitching and, and kind of readjusts um, after they kind of made their adjustment to him um, after his first couple of weeks in the big league. So yeah, the, 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 the underlying data on, on Senzel is really favorable. And another thing I think people don't realize is how fast he is. He is by far the fastest player on this team. Um and I think a lot of people, if you just ask them, they they might say, you know, Jose Peraza. But uh, no, Nixon Zell is is the fastest by a pretty good margin too. He's in the the 95th percentile in in baseball. Um, which you know, just watching him, I I don't I mean, he looks fast, but he doesn't look that fast uh, to me. So that's that's another area where he really stands out. Um, and I think that only helps him in center field. That does.
0: Lead me to wonder, and, and this is an area of analytics that I've not delved too far into, so I don't have too much of a knowledge of it myself. What sort of numbers are there uh, to explain a player's speed? Because I know that really the only statistic that we have is stolen bases, and that doesn't really do it. You know, that doesn't paint the whole picture. Are there numbers out there to paint the whole picture? Are they still working
1: on that? Yeah, so StatCast uh, has a sprint speed leaderboard. Um, so, you know, their their tracking system um, can track every player's, you know, how fast they're running on a given play. Um, and they, they, they restrict, you know, measuring sprint speed to those plays where a guy is giving max effort. Um so you know on a on a weak ground ball in the infield that you know they are sprinting to try to be out first base. Those are the kind of measurements they want to they want to use for sprint speed. Or you know if the runner's on first base, the ball goes in the gap, you know they're sprinting trying to trying to get home. Those are the the kind of plays they're measuring. Um, and it's just they just measure it in feet per second. Um, so pretty pretty simple number there. Senzel is at 29 feet per second. Uh, league average is 27. Um, and he's, he's, uh, a full foot per second faster than Jose Peraza, who is second on the team. Uh, so he, he, he grades out very well there. Um, and for reference, uh, Billy Hamilton is right about, uh, 30 feet per second. So Sinzel is about a foot per second behind him. Um, but that still puts him, um, looking at the leaderboard right now, he is 31st in baseball, um, in sprint speed. And that's out of. 450 players so senzel has uh you know well above average speed maybe not quite elite but it's it's pretty close that's
0: phenomenal that's like that's like one of those things you almost you can hear people saying whenever they see him in the outfield and say well he's no billy hamilton but what well, do the fielding metrics support him being a center fielder long term
1: uh they're a little shaky right now um and i think you know, that's just it just shows his inexperience at the position. Um, but defensive metrics uh, kind of take a little bit longer to stabilize uh, than, than other stats. You kind of have to have uh, at least a couple of years of data to really kind of say, you know, this guy is, is good at his position. He has good range. Um, you know, he can field this position well. Uh, it's just kind of one of those things where you need a lot of data to really say that with a lot of confidence. Uh, so we're not quite at that point with Senzel yet. We only have about a month's worth of, of data on him. Um, and, and you know, he kind of grades out the way you would expect uh, a relatively new center fielder, too. Um, you know, he, he gets pretty good jumps on the ball. StatCast can also, also measure that, you know, how quickly, um, how much uh, ground they're covering within the first three seconds, I believe, is how they cover. He, he grades pretty well at that. So he's getting good jumps on the ball. Um, so that's good to see. Um, maybe not taking efficient routes all the time, uh, things like that, that he, that will, will clean up as he, you know, gets more experience out there. But from a, from a pure athleticism standpoint, I mean, I think he, he will, he can handle the position and, and should only get better. Um, you know, whether he stays out there long-term, I, I don't know if the Reds have several, uh, center field prospects who could kind of push Sinzel back to the infield, but, um, you know, he certainly looks capable of handling it, and, and we'll see kind of how the how the data backs that up um, as we get more of it. So, yeah, still, uh, still kind of an incomplete on the report card for uh, Sinzel's defense.
0: It is good to know, though, that he profiled more athletically than I think people gave him credit for, and it's been fun to watch and just to know that he has the sort of versatility – that he's not confined to one position. You're not saying, well, he's gotta play here. He can't play anywhere else. And that's been one of my favorite things to see about him. Aside from I mean, he's got so many good qualities that he's shown. And that's just been one of my favorite things is his versatility.
1: Yeah, I and mean, he kinda he kind of does everything well. Uh he's kind of the, the the five tool player you hear, you know, so many uh prospect guys talk about, you know, he can throw, he can hit can hit for power he he can he can run he can field um so he kind of has the full package uh and i don't know if he'll ever be you know like a mike trout level but i think he's going to be a really good player um hopefully for a long time as long as he stays healthy and it's going to be yeah it should be really interesting to see where he kind of ends up uh in in the field um you know are they going to end up moving him around Will they stick him in in center field Will they move him back to second base uh i don't know but he i mean athletically uh i had totally agree with you. I've been really, really pleasantly surprised with, with him, uh, athletically, you know, you'd kind of read the prospect reports uh, as he was coming up through the minors and, you know, most, most, uh, places said he had above average speed. Um, so it's hard to really, uh, know what that means until you kind of see it in a game situation. And I think, uh, you know, like the sprint speed metric we just talked about, he ranks a lot higher than I expected him to. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't realize he was even faster than Jose Peraza until he got up here, but he's faster than Jose Peraza by a pretty wide margin. So that's just been uh, just another great thing to see from Senzel so far.
0: We've gone on a lot about the lineup. Let's talk about the pitching, the pitching that has been good other than, you know,
1: as opposed to the lineup.
0: When when we look at the pitching, what is the one thing? Because they've constantly stayed at the top. When it comes to ERA and things like that, what's the thing that you look at and you're like, okay, this is sustainable for the rest of the year?
1: So, you know, the big thing I look at uh, to start is, you know, those kind of ERA estimators is is what I kind of call them. Um, So you're talking about your fielding independent pitching and your expected fielding independent pitching. And and all that tries to do is try to take uh, kind of defense out of the equation and give you, you know, what the ERA kind of looks like only with things the pitcher can control. Um, so what that means is strikeouts and walks and, um, home runs are are factored into the equation as well. Uh, so basically plays where the defense isn't involved at all. Um, so, you know, when the ball goes into play, you know, anything, anything can happen. Um, you know, if a pitcher has a terrible defense behind him, um, you know, they may lose. I don't I don't have an actual number. We'll say 50 outs in a given season because, you know, they have a uh, slow defense with, with poor range. Whereas, you know, a, a pitcher with a good defense behind him, um, will maybe have a higher ERA because his defense makes more plays behind him. So those two numbers try to take, uh, all that out of the equation, just give you kind of what the pitcher can control. And, and those numbers, uh, really are kind of right in line with the Reds' ERA. They're a little higher than the ERA, but not by much. Uh, the ERA is 3.5 right now, uh, and, and the FIP and XFIP are at 3.7 and 3.8, which are still uh, top, top two, top three numbers in all of baseball. Um, and, and, you know, the biggest thing that I think has gone into that has been the strikeouts. Um, and I know they, the Fox Sports Ohio has talked about that on a few of their broadcasts. Uh, but the Reds have jumped up their strikeout rate just tremendously this year. Uh, right now they rank, I believe, third in, in baseball in strikeout rate. So just the, the total number of, of strikeouts per, per, uh, per plate appearance. And that's, um, you know, that's the easiest way to prevent runs. Um, and I think that's why a lot of teams are, are really emphasizing, you know, striking out more batters. Um, you know, can't score runs if, if nobody's getting on base. Um, so I think that's been a huge reason for the Red's success, and yeah, they they're at 26% right now, uh, fourth in baseball. Uh, and the only teams they're behind are the Astros, Rays, and Red Sox. Uh, so you know, I think those, if if that continues for the rest of the season, um, then I think the Reds are gonna sustain this. Um, the, the walk rate is a little higher than you'd like it to be, but it's not super super alarming. So. Um, and you know, those numbers aren't necessarily predictive. Um, if their strikeouts fall off a cliff tomorrow, then, you know, everything's probably going to change, but you know, if they, if they keep up that kind of pace with their strikeouts and even if they just stay league average with their walks, I think we're, we're going to be still sitting pretty, um, you know, moving further into the season.
0: I know that, um, when you look at fielding independent pitching, it's a great way of measuring, a pitcher, uh, and you don't have to worry about if his defense is wearing sunglasses behind him. Right. So that that's always something good to look at there. <laughs> um, when we look at individual guys, obviously everyone's favorite pitcher this year has been Luis Castillo. What has been the biggest change? And I, I know that he had a much better second half last year than first half, but what has been the biggest change from last year this time whenever we were looking at him like oh man what is wrong to now when we're just like holy crap for a minute there we were putting him in the same sentence as randy
1: johnson right right and you know the big thing with him has been what we just talked about the jump in strikeouts uh, he's almost at 30 percent which is that's elite level uh, you know that's that's where uh, just it's right under where you know the guys like chris sale max scherzer sit on a yearly basis right. um and, and you know, I think the big thing he's kind of done for that is a he's thrown his change up a lot more, um, and if you've seen that thing, I, I don't even have words for it. I, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it reminds me a lot of Pedro Martinez and and his change up. Maybe not quite that good, um, but just from a pure, just from purely looking at it, you know, it, it looks very similar to that. So that's been one thing he's done. He's he's thrown the change up uh, even more, and another thing he's done is just stay away from the, from the middle of the plate, just kind of your basic uh, thing you're trying to do for any pitcher uh, last year. You know, he, he threw a lot of kind of fastballs right down the middle of the play and, and he kind of got crushed for it. You know, he gave up a, a lot of home runs uh, the exit velocity to go back to that was very high against him. Um, and, and, you know, he, he does throw the ball hard, but you know, big league hitters are seeing faster and faster pitching. Uh, all the time, and they are still going to probably make you pay when you leave the ball in the middle of the plate. So that's been a big difference for Castillo as well. Um, You look at just, uh, StatCast has a a metric that can kind of measure, you know, the percentage of of pitches in the heart of the plate. So they have, you know, the strike zone kind of segmented in the middle of the plate. Um, And if you look at Castillo's percentage of pitches in the heart of the plate this year compared to last year, huge drop-off. So I think that's that's a big thing for Castillo as well, um, and he's just stayed away from the barrel of the bat. Teams are, are not hitting him hard when they when they do manage to hit him, um, and that's kind of the reason. You know, his walk rate has been a little high, but that's been the reason he's been able to kind of work around that. And we saw that the other night. He you know gave up a hit and and uh, walked a couple of guys to load the bases with with nobody out, and then he you know struck out two of the next three batters. Um, got. I think a week pop up for the, for the third out. So, you know, when, when guys do hit him, it just, it hasn't been hard. And that's because he is, he's staying out of the middle of the plate.
0: You mentioned that a lot with him. And it's something that I read. I think it was in the athletic. Um, I believe it was Ken Rosenthal that wrote it. It was talking about this statistic that they're using to measure pitching command. And I, I, I think I kind of understood it, but when it came to the command stat, it said that Tyler Malley was in the top five. (laughs) When it comes to this statistic, explain it to me like I'm Michael Scott trying to understand a surplus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll do my best. All right. Um, So this is actually, I believe you're referring to command plus. Yes. Is that right? Yes, that's the one. Uh, so that's actually not publicly available yet. Uh, right. I've read, you know, a couple of things uh, by Eno Saris and, and Ken Rosenthal and some others uh, at The Athletic. Uh, so I, I believe Stats Inc. has that uh, kind of locked away. They're not really showing us behind the curtains yet. So you kind of have to wait on those articles to come out to really <laughs> see who the leaders are. But from my understanding, basically they're they're kind of trying to measure you know, where the catcher puts his glove, um, you know, where he wants the pitcher to throw it before the pitch and how close to the glove um, does the pitcher typically get. Um, So hopefully they will release that uh, and everyone can see it soon. Um, But, you know, just, you know, again, eyeball test with with Tyler Molly here. Uh, You know, all we heard coming up through the minor leagues was, I mean, this guy has, you know, Greg Maddox kind of command, maybe not, maybe not that level, but you know, that's his calling card. Right. Um, and you know, every time these articles come out and with kind of the update on the command plus, uh, statistic, Tyler Molly is always right there. Um, and, and you kind of see that in the games too. You know, he's, he stays typically around the edges of the plate. throws a lot of fastballs. Um, and he, he gets away with it because he commands it so well. Um, you know, I think, you hear it on every broadcast when he pitches, he's, you know, he's working on the, on the secondary pitches. They're still a work in progress. Um, so, you know, you, you might be left kind of scratching your head. Well, how in the world is he you know, successful when he's throwing, you know, fastball 75% of the time, uh, like surely. And, and he doesn't throw, he throws mid nineties sometimes, but you know, he averages about 93. So how in the world is he getting guys out at the big league level? And that's because he can hit his spots, um, and you know, when he misses spots, especially with his breaking stuff is kind of when you see him get hit, but, um, you know, that, that fastball, he can pretty much just put it wherever he wants it. And that, that command plus stat really backs that up. And I'm, I'm really hoping they release that to everybody very soon. Cause I want to dig into that a little bit more.
0: Stat fans wait in anticipation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Tyler Malley has been fun to watch for that reason, and I was glad that they came out with that because that is definitely another way to explain his value. Because you can you can say it to your blue in the face, but then there's always those people that look at his ERA and they're just like, "Well," and you're like, "It's it's more than that," and that is just another reason why analytics are so important. I know I've been harping on that all tonight, but it's one of those things that. It's another piece to the puzzle, and that is what Red's Content Plus brings to the table. It puts all those pieces together for you. If you haven't checked them out, you really got to go over to Red's Content Plus and check out what they have to offer. They've got a lot of great stuff, and Matt, I know I've talked to you for like a really long time tonight, so I appreciate you hanging on and talking Red's with me, Um, but we hope to have you on here again soon. I definitely want to wrap it up, but thanks for uh, coming on and talking with me.
1: Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me.